Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit POD stands for Pride of Detroit, hence Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's like ATM machine. Makes no sense. Stupid title. Sorry about that. My fault. I made it. Anyways, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of prideofdetroit.com. Not Chris Perfett. I am the Jeff Driscillian replacement of, of Chris Perfett, who's taking a week off to get some much needed rest. So I am your host today. We'll be talking all things Lions Bears. We'll be talking some future stuff because it looks like it's about time to start focusing on the future with this franchise. And we'll get to all of that in a little bit. But for now, let me introduce, uh, we kind of have a Jeff Driscillian lineup. And I don't actually know what, that's not fair because that assumes that we have a less than set of co-hosts with me this week, which is not true. Um, just a different set. And I'm, I'm happy to throw in a little diversity here this week because uh, we could probably use some new voices, some new, uh, I don't know, some, some fresh meat here first because what, what was happening in the first eight weeks wasn't working with the Lions. Not saying it wasn't working here, just saying mix it up. Maybe, maybe throw some, some superstition here and get the Lions on the right track. Anyways, to my right, if you're watching on our Twitch channel, John Whitaker at Whitaker, as he has nicely in his uh, in his name there. He's our social media manager and uh, kind of a jack of all trades because he writes, he edits, he he lurks in the chat sometimes, does a little mm-hmm. bit of everything. John, how are you doing tonight? Sad. Sad. Yeah, that's what yes. Lions football does to you. I'm yes, sorry. but I want to be I want to be happier, but I'm just not. <laughs> We are here to, to all, I can, all I can do is laugh. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That's what we need in times like this is, is some some crude humor of some sort. And we're going to try to give that to you or, or you know, soothe your ales in, in, in some sort of way because we don't want to just hear, be here and be all sad sacky. Although, if that's what you need to, sometimes misery needs a little bit of company. So we'll probably yeah, give you a little bit of that. Gallows humor. <laughs> and right below me, waiting ever so patiently while I ramble on about nothing our good friend Kent Lee Platty at MathBomb on Twitter. Kent, welcome back to the show. Good to be back, man. I missed you guys. Missed you too. Missed you too. I wish it was under better circumstances, but let's get to it. We're Lions fans. There's never a good circumstance. (laughs) You're right. If if we sat here and waited for something good to happen to get you on, we'd never see you again. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyways, week 10, Detroit Lions, 13, Chicago Bears, 20. Lions fall to 3-5-1 on the season. Bears move to who cares whatever the record is. They're also not going to make the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, I, I, let's let's just get into it. Let's talk about the big news of the day that happened even before the game happened. Matthew Stafford, back injury, broken bones in his back, according to ESPN. Adam Schefter misses his first game since 2010. Ends his 136, I want to say, game streak. Uh, the longest active one amongst quarterbacks. We get to see Dr- Jeff Driscoll, who I'm certain at least like 20% of the fan base didn't realize was the backup yesterday. Um, 
guys, what what was your reaction when you when you heard the news on Sunday? And did you give the Lions any bit of a chance today before the game even started? We'll start with uh, we'll start with John. It's it's tough because I think this Bears team is bad, yeah. and I think we did see that today. I think the Bears offense, you know, they got gifted a lot of field position. If you look at uh, the Lions' statistical performance. This was like one of their best games of the year because they've been giving up like 400 plus yards on defense all season long. And obviously you have a different sort of caliber of quarterback that you're facing with Mitchell Trubisky. And he made some good throws, but Bad. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not a lot of positives in that offense. Even the run game with uh, David Montgomery. Yeah, is it Montgomery? Yep. Yeah, you got it. Yep. I, I had a summary for anyway. Um. It's it's not been very effective. And last year, they were winning games based on Trubisky's ability to run, all that stuff. And Matt Nagy's also taken a big step back. And, you know, that was a big issue I found today as well. I think there are a few questionable calls that he had. So I didn't necessarily say this game was unwinnable. But obviously, Matthew Stafford has carried this team thus far this season. And same question to you. And and then let's get into how you thought uh, Driscoll did today against the obviously pretty good Bears defense. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. It's never good to hear when you're starting. Anybody is out. You know, when when any starter is out, that's bad news. You're starting quarterback being out, especially somebody we haven't seen out of action since September of 2011. You know, this isn't it's been a long, long time since we've actually seen a Stafford list Lions coming into a game without him and running the whole game. So it wasn't good. We were expecting it to be painful, um, but it was a lot more painful, I think, than a lot of us anticipated. Uh, they did make they did they did keep the Bears' offense as a whole down, but they gave Trubisky his best game of the season. I was talking about it before the game about how is this going to be the game that they're going to talk about how he's bouncing back and how right. he's finally hitting that stride. Well, of course it is. The Lions' defense has been a nightmare for weeks now, and Trubisky's coming in at the perfect time. So he didn't really light up the Lions all that much, but he made throws that he hasn't been able to make all year because he hasn't had defenders anywhere near where they're supposed to be. And he's had wide open shots at guys. So it worked out for the Bears. They were able to outscore the Lions, and that's not great. Um, segueing right into Jeff Driscoll. You know, we had we had a guy we haven't seen play before at all in a Lions yeah. uniform. We didn't get to see Jeff Driscoll in the preseason. Um, I'm fairly familiar with Jeff Driscoll from my draft work, but most most fans they're not even going to know who the hell, who the hell he is, right? Yeah. But he, he's a completely different style. We saw that today. He's a completely different style of quarterback than Matthew Stafford. He's got a heck of an arm. He can he can sling it when he needs to. I know the the first Kenny Galladay drop, you kind of saw that. He it seems like he was almost shocked that the ball came flying in as fast as it did. Uh, but Driscoll likes to run, and he's good at it. At, at one point in the game, I don't know if it held out for the rest of the game, but at one point in the game, he had the two fastest runs of the yeah. game. He's a he's a quarterback. You don't get that a whole lot. He was our leading so rusher as well. Yeah, yep, he, he was that's nice. by one yard. And yeah, and he's got he's got some wheels, man. But he's just really erratic passer. He he's he likes to. It's not that he likes to check down. It's that. If he doesn't see his primary reads open, he's very quick to move through his transitions and jump to that check down. He, he wants to make sure that he has a safe outlet that he can get to, and he does that very quickly. Uh, when the pass rush starts to close in, which we saw after Rick Wagner went down, he starts to check down more often and starts yeah. to run a bit more often. 
because it's not that he's jumpy in the pocket. It's just that the moment there's pressure, like any rushing quarterback, he's got wheels. He's going to go. So we got to see a bunch of that. We're not used to seeing that in the Lions. Now we, we made a gimmick of it for a while, calling Stafford wheels, and then he actually got good at it. So yeah. it was actually a worthwhile nickname. Absolutely. Uh, but, but having a guy that's legitimately mobile and not just really good at understanding the, the pocket and being able to move up the way Stafford is, you know, it's a different feel for an offense in Detroit. And, you know, like, like we were talking about before, you know, I feel like if he had had a little bit more time to prepare, he might've been a little bit more on point than he was in this one. And the Lions might've had a better shot. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a lot of good points there and, and his mobility was certainly on display. I think early in the game, it, it seemed like the Lions had a pretty good game plan with him on that first, you know, assume, assumedly uh, scripted drive because they were, you, you know, they had designed rollouts, they had, uh, you know, zone reads and, and things like that to, to get him moving and get him comfortable. And he looked very comfortable. The one thing that Matt Patricia said after the game a lot was he was so poised out there. And I agree with that. He did seem very poised in this entire game. He never seemed like he was in over his head. You know, he made one really bad decision in this entire game and the rest of his decision-making really wasn't that bad. But as the game went on, I think as, as you kind of alluded to, he got a little bit of happy feet. He got a little bit, um, a little more indecisive. Um, he started to check down a lot more, and we we lost the the deep pass. You know, the thing that had made this offense so fun to watch through eight games and made Matthew Stafford a, a you know a, maybe a, a silent uh, a dark horse MVP candidate. Although I think we all agree that probably was never going to happen. Um, was that deep ball? You know, getting Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones involved, and in this game they weren't that involved um, because we saw Driscoll kind of you know just like take what he can get. And honestly, I mean, a guy that doesn't have a lot of preparation and a guy that hasn't had an off season with these receivers and hasn't had uh, even, you know, full two full months under this offensive system, you, you expect him to check down. You expect him to kind of take what he can get, but it kind of takes away the, the strength of this offense, which is that deep ball. And so it, it's probably no surprise. I think Driscoll did about as good as you would expect. And if the Lions decide to do something with Stafford long term, it'll be interesting to see how Driscoll, you know, progresses. I think he has I think he showed enough potential today for people to maybe believe that he'd be a valuable backup going forward because this is a really young guy we're talking about. Um but obviously get somebody with actual quarterback traits instead of just I mean that's the thing. We've been working with the likes of Matt Castle and Jake Rudock for a while now. And like he's I wouldn't say he's like miles better than them, but like he I'm actually sure has he traits that you can work with. There's actual talent there. It's, yeah. it's not just, can he run an offense? Does he know what plays he's supposed to call? It's like, can he actually fit a mm-hmm. ball into a point that he needs to get it to without it taking 27 minutes to get there? Could you throw I mean, a, an thing. out route? Last, last year, Jake, last year, Jake Rudock essentially got Brandon Powell a roster spot in preseason because <laughs> that's all he could throw. Just yeah. short mm-hmm. passes to him. Yep. But I, I do think the inaccuracies towards the end of the game really kind of took a toll as well. I mean, we but mentioned they opened the it up at least. They did open they, it up. They tried to open it up, but that, that's what well, that they really had to at that point. That they're, <laughs> they're down yeah. 14 points. They kind of had to at that point. It's just kind of disappointing, especially on that last drive. He had Kenny Galladay pretty open on a couple plays, and and one Kenny Galladay probably could have still brought in, but it wasn't a good pass. I mean, he's used to Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball in pretty much perfect spots all the time. So, uh it's probably an adjustment for, for Kenny Galladay as well. Uh, but overall, I think, I don't think anyone can be mad at Jeff Driscoll for the, the effort and the, the 
overall performance he put in today. Um, but let's let's talk about the defense because this was a really weird game for the defense. Because as, as you know, you mentioned Mitch Trubisky had kind of a not a career day, but a a good day statistically. Sixteen of twenty three, one hundred and seventy three yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one hundred and thirty one pass rating. That all sounds really good. Well, can we take a moment to just recognize that his best game of the season, and it is his best game of the season. I'm not even going to look up. <laughs> I'm fairly certain it is, but it's less than 200 yards. Right. But it's just it's just mistake-free football. And, of course, the game against and, us. We, we all knew yeah, it was going to happen. Like, but at the same we, time. We're sitting here watching him play last week. We're like, well, all of a sudden, everyone's all of a sudden dumping on Trubisky. Well, that's <laughs> going to change after the Lions. You know it. Let's see what happens in the coming days. But. Hey, the bright side, if they decide to roll with him for longer, I think that's a benefit, you know, see, because they I, were thinking of shipping him off to who knows where now, now yeah. they might have, now they might have a thought like, hmm, maybe we'll keep him. Maybe the, it's, it's the long, long con. We're, we're just, <laughs> we got his long game going, man. $200 billion contract. Trubisky, you got it. Yeah. I will pitch in to help pay that. Here's the thing about the <laughs> defense though. They didn't play that bad today am i am i wrong in saying that they got seven three and outs from the bears offense they got nine punts and then they just had like this brain fart of a, yeah. of a series where they gave up three touchdowns in a row well, i mean that's kind of been the issue with the lions the entire year like throughout the start of the year they were bend and don't break and you know that was working for a bit but they'd always have you know slip-ups like i think yeah. Last year, for example, we had a lot of issue with the third quarter, right? It was called third quarter. the third yep. quarter. Yep. And I think we've kind of seen stuff like that reemerge this year. And I think that's also kind of an issue that, you know, we saw this back with Jim Caldwell is that it feels like this team isn't making good enough adjustments or if they're making yep. adjustments, they're not good. So it's kind of hard to figure out what's wrong with the team when, as you said, like to start off this game, I mean, the Chicago defense isn't, Chicago offense isn't very good, but as you said, so many three and outs is great. I mean, they some were, of their plays they were, at one point were just the same plays repeated, and they'd flip the field on it. The, the a couple of the passes to Allen Robinson in the middle of the field looked almost identical structurally the way that they they built the plays up, and the Lions did nothing to adjust to that. It, they were just like, okay, you can have the middle of the field. And the Bears were like, sweet, we've got the whole middle. Let's just throw Allen Robinson up there on a linebacker and a mm-hmm. safety. We don't care. You know, you got to adjust. Yeah, the Lions did seem to show uh, an inordinate, inordinate, oh my goodness, inordinate, I can't say that word. Um, you know what inordinate. I'm trying to say? Inordinate <laughs> amount of zone in this game. And yeah, I, yeah, Trubisky ate up Jared Davis in coverage, like most quarterbacks will if Jared Davis is in coverage. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I still think. I still think there's a point to be made that there was progress here. And, and yes, you have to put it all in context that this is a crappy, crappy, crappy Bears offense and it could all go to hell next week against the Dallas Cowboys and an offense that certainly is a little bit more dynamic. Um, but run defense was solid, 3.4 yards per carry. There was a little bit of pressure. I mean, I, I, you mentioned it a couple times. Uh, you mentioned a couple things about the defense in your, in your 10 things that didn't suck, uh, you know, <laughs> Snacks playing back at a at a good level. I was surprised level. as much as I had. Yeah, I was surprised as much. As I yeah, mentioned. Lions got five sacks. I I actually yeah. just looked it up, and that that yeah. was surprising. I honestly they didn't recall that many, but they weren't like cleanup garbage either. They were legitimate yeah. pressure. Yeah. Tavise was really nice. Uh, Mike Daniels and on on Mike Daniels' sack, Devon Kennard was right there with him, forcing it up into him. Uh, Devon Kennard got a sack. Trubisky held the ball a little bit too long, but it was a great chase down from the backside. 
you know, it was a really well done game from a pass rush perspective and from the defensive line as a whole. I think having Mike Daniels back helped a little bit. The fact that Snacks Harrison has been playing way better than he was to start the season has helped a lot. Trey Flowers getting healthy and starting to play the way he we expected him to play has helped a lot. Uh, but it, it it just kind of started to click, and it was it was really promising to begin the game, and then stuff just started to fall a little bit. We we weren't able to get any kind of good coverage. They were they were giving up plays. It reminded me a lot of the post twenty fourteen Terrell Austin defense, where you knew it was capable of something because you've seen it, and then they would give up a stupid play, just one big chunk play. And it's kind of like we've talked about on the offensive line, where if, if there's one person that's not doing doing their job on that any given play, it's going to get exploited and it'll blow the play up. Same thing was happening on defense. Yeah, you know, one guy would mess up. That's been a be season long enough. issue too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lions have given up a lot of big plays. I think they're near the top of the league in, in passing plays of twenty plus yards seated. And Trubisky got another couple in this game. And you know, whether whether it's an unfortunate pass interference call or Darius Slay getting beat on the yeah. one time he gets targeted all game or, or whatever it is, uh, it, it all just happened in that one span of the final drive of the second half and the first two drives or of the first half and the, and the final the first two drives of the second half. Uh, it all just kind of happened at once. And then the Lions were back mm-hmm. to fine again. Like they, the defense got the, the offense back in this game with three and outs, three and outs, winning that field position battle because that's all that Matt Patricia apparently cares about. That's why he's punting at midfield five times a game because he wants to win that field position battle. And it was working for a while, and then it didn't work for, for three yeah. possessions. And then they were down too many points for a backup quarterback to come back from. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing to see, but um, I will say throughout this entire season, the Lions have been kind of running more of the contained style for the defensive line, and I think oh, yeah. this was a this was a game where that kind of shows because I mean, as I said, Trubisky hasn't been great this season. This season, but last year he was winning a lot of games. You know, not winning a lot of games, but he was making a lot of good <laughs> plays with his legs, right? Yeah. And how many times did he run today? Not many, and not for very much. Yeah, so I think that's one benefit eight. here. He ran three times for eight yards. One of the and reasons like we don't see got sacked too. So, yeah, one of the reasons we don't see Jared Davis getting beaten in coverage a whole lot, even though he's still just awful at it, is that he plays so much spy. I mean the 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 touchdown to the tight end Ben Brownecker, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, Jared Davis was just sitting in the middle of the field spying, and it was a pass play that I don't think Trubisky had any intention to run out of, and it's just wasted real estate when you're doing that kind of stuff, you know, you have him, have him have that blitz option or something, do something with him. Just have him sitting there. It ain't doing nothing. It's frustrating. It is. All right. Uh, we, I'm going to, let's tackle one. I think the other major storyline of this game was, was injuries in general, obviously the Stafford one already, but early in this game, the lines lose Ty Johnson to a concussion. Uh, Quickly after that, they lose who, uh, Wagner. Uh, Rick Wagner, Wagner to a yeah. concussion on, on a strange-looking give-up draw play on third and a million. Uh, right. Mike Daniels leaves at too. one point. Yeah, he did get clocked. Derry Slay left and came back at some point. Uh, the Lions are beat up right now. They, I think they had 14 people on the injury list going into this game. They're probably going to be even longer this uh, this next week. Guys, is there any hope that this team ever gets fully healthy? I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball. This defensive line has just been beat up all year, and we can use that as, a, as an excuse, but I think the problems run a little bit deeper than that, as, as we can all probably attest to. But 
do you, do you guys have hope? Do you, or, or, are you in like shut everyone down mode at this point? Or I mean, we also what, lost what this uh, Sean Robinson. Sean Robinson had a thumb injury. I think it was. Yes, I mean, he did come and, back uh, in that game as well. Tavon, Tavon Wilson also left with injury for a little bit and came right. back. So there was, right. there was a, it, just adding into like you're sitting there naming them off. I'm like, I know at least a couple more, right. like a whole bunch of them in this game. And we were making a joke about it with some of my, my bears friends with like, who's going to lose more as this game goes <laughs> on. Cause they were pretty hurt with injuries too. Yeah. But uh, it is, it is a lot of that. It's a lot of injuries. Kyle, uh, I don't know. I don't know who's hurt enough. Kyle yeah. uh, uh, Meinke. I, I, I never know how to pronounce the last name. That's it. You got it. Okay. Anyway, he posted something that says all 16 Lions players who were banged up against Chicago. That's a Jeez. big number. <laughs> all like right. 20 something percent of the roster right there. Yes. That's, yeah. that's not great. Rough. All right. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the future because the lines are three, five and one. They're not going to win out and go 10, five and one. I think we can all agree with that, which means they're probably not making the playoffs this year, which means we need to discuss some things. We need to talk, discuss Matthew Stafford and what the rest of the season means for him. We need to talk about Matt Patricia and what his future with the team is either going forward the rest of this year, next year, the year after how short is that leash? And We need to talk a little bit more about Jared Davis because something interesting happened in this game early on and it could be a sign of of what is to come in Jared Davis's future. So stick around. We'll be right back on the POD cast talking all those topics. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're here talking Lions, Bears, talking the Detroit Lions 2019 season and beyond now because the Lions are 3-5-1. and one. They're 11th in draft order right now, and that's apparently something that we need to start talking about because, gee, golly, gosh, the season's over. Hooray! Kent, we're going to have to rely on you a lot in these next upcoming six months. I hope you're up for it because I'm certainly not up for talking about the draft for at least another four. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> In the meantime, let's talk about some things that happened in this game and how it relates immediately to the Lions' future. And I want to start with Jared Davis because on the second drive of the game, a bunch of beat writers noticed that Jared Davis was not in the game and that Jelani Tavai was at middle linebacker calling plays. And in fact, for most of the game, I believe he was calling plays. Now, we we teased this last week a little bit and that the Lions have a very important, interesting decision on Jared Davis going forward. The guy has one more year on his rookie contract, and then they also have a fifth-year option that they need to decide next offseason. Guys, did we witness the beginning of the end of Jared Davis today? Kent? Do we still have Kent with us? 
Kent is not here, apparently. He's, he's I thought he's just been very stoic this entire time, but it turns out he hasn't been here. Okay, well, um, John, I guess I I'll guess toss it I'm, to you, bud. Wow, thank you for offering that uh, <laughs> enticing question to me and only me. Um, well, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I And that's my biggest thing about Jared Davis is I don't know. I don't think yeah. anyone really knows because... He, he's like, I love him as a, as a person so much. And I really think in the locker room, he's a great guy to have, but his play on the field just doesn't do it. And this team's better off with him off the field, even though it pains me to say that, because as I said, I love the dude and, you know, he cares a lot about his performance and it just, it isn't working for him. I mean, I don't necessarily think a change of position is going to help either. Just maybe he needs a guru or something, some mentor. I don't know, because he has the the traits to be a good three-down linebacker. He has the speed. I mean, I think he has a bit of trouble uh, cutting at times. But really, you know, it's I think it's all just in his head. And we're at the point where, you know, Jelani Tavai is playing better than he is. And with a fraction of the tools that he has. So I just don't think he's, he's a fit in this team anymore. I hate to say it because as I said, I really love the dude, but you know, I think it's just, unless you can find a good niche role for him, he's, he's not the guy you want on the field as often as he has been. Yeah. And, and you bring up a couple of good points here. The, the one being, um, well, the one thing is, is Jelani Tavai's whole role in this, because I think when the Lions drafted it, everyone assumed, okay, there's your Christian Jones replacement. There's the guy who's going to take over next to Jared Davis, next to Devon Kennard. And they have a, a, a fairly good lineup on paper. And, and the senior bowl guy will tell you that Jelani Tavai and Jared Davis are two of the most promising young linebackers in the league. Okay. But it didn't work out that way. It didn't. No. Uh, Jared Davis has been bad his entire Lions career, entire Lions career, which is now three years. Year two under Matt Patricia still hasn't shown the Im- improvement that we hoped it, he would. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, you said all the right things there. I mean, he's he's the model citizen. He's exactly what the Lions want in terms of locker room behavior, in terms of work ethic, in terms of everything intangible. He's a guy that's, you know, the first one there, last to leave, that sort of thing vigilant in the in the film room all that sort of thing and he knows what he needs to do he just can't put it together and we've given Mm -hmm. him three years to do it and i think what's interesting is that jelani tavai is he the middle linebacker now is he going to be the guy that calls plays it's not necessarily what what i think the lines may have intended to be when he drafted him but they're grooming him for it clearly i heard he got it he got the headset in his for the game today i don't know i can't remember if he had that for previous games but I mean, I think that's significant because also for a rookie, taking a big leadership role like that is huge. Yeah. And and that he was not given those roles when he was in for Jared Davis early in the season when he had that high ankle sprain. Oh, I think Kim's gonna come back there in just go. a bit. Uh but yeah, I I think I think it's very, very interesting what they did today. And I do think it probably mm-hmm. eventually spells the end for Jared Davis. The question is just when. Yeah. When and do I think they also the the question is what exactly are you going to do with him? Are you just going to straight up cut him? Because I, 
I don't know. I'm kind of paranoid about this because it's just me as a Lions fan, but I just, I'm so afraid that we're going to cut him. He goes somewhere else and he just, it just clicks. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I think that's going to be good for him because clearly it's not working in Detroit. We saw this with like Cal Van Noy, for example. Yep. Um, even though, you know, technically he was a bit, you know, more upset about his time during the Lions than I expect Davis to be. But at the same time, you know, the dude has PFF grade of 29 on the season. Like, <laughs> 29 that's incredibly bad yeah and i hate to say it i love the dude you just you just it's not the role for you i'm sorry yeah and i i tease that exact same thing like there there is this inherent fear that there will always be there for lions fans that that he will be the next kyle vanoy but i think we also have to realize that a lot of guys at the lions cut don't turn out to be him you know yep. zach zenner isn't tearing the world apart right now he just Even, needs a chance. He just needs another chance. There he is. Kent, can you hear us? Welcome. Welcome back. Yeah. Sorry about that. It was technical difficulties on my side. No worries. Kent, say something mean about Jared Davis. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I will throw you the question that I originally threw to, to you then, John, which is, did we witness the beginning of the end for Jared Davis today? You're talking about how he lost snaps early in the game? Yes. And it that looks like at least... Some of some of the play calling duties. I'm not entirely sure how much, but at least a little bit of the play calling duties. It looked like Tavai took over today. So, is 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 this the beginning of the end? And if it is the beginning of the end, when do you think that end is coming with Jared Davis? So Jared Davis never fit this scheme to begin with. He was drafted for Tara Lawson's scheme. He wasn't drafted for Matt Patricia's scheme. So there was always the risk that he was going to be gone no matter what. Uh, but after they extended Christian Jones, I have no idea. Because as bad as Jared Davis has played, Christian Christian Jones has been worse, and they just extended him. Yeah, and it was a nothing. It was a nothing extension, but there's no value in that from a team building perspective. You're 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 putting a guy on the field that has no legitimate defensive value at all. Jared Davis at least has something with his ability to rush the passer. So if they don't want him to be the play caller anymore, and they're going to give that to Tavai or potentially somebody that they draft in the upcoming draft or sign in free agency, which is another possibility, then this would probably be a good time to start paying attention to things like that. If that continues, if that continues to be a trend, I would say, yes, that's gone. If this was a one-time thing, then it's probably some kind of scheme that they had for the bears offense coming in. Maybe they worried about Montgomery and those guys a little bit more than they did with Trubisky. Maybe they didn't think that they could get anything out of blitzing with, so they didn't have the same value with, with Jared Davis on the field. It could be something like that, but if this trend continues, then yeah, maybe it's just them starting to phase it out. But after they extended Christian Jones, I have no idea because yeah. we, we don't know. Right, because it, it has always seemed like the, the coaching staff likes this linebacking crew more than anyone else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, anyone. I think, I think that's a good point. That, that they think they're good. Make, I really. Yeah. And it, I don't it, know what they're smoking. It's a great point because it, it it definitely does make Jared Davis's future a little unpredictable because while we're all screaming, look how bad he is, they're not saying the same inside the inside of Allen Park, it doesn't seem like. So mm. um and then the, the one other possibility that, that John teased earlier was a position change. I, I've seen a lot of people suggest that they move him to Jack Linebacker, which is essentially Devon Kennard's role. Um besides it not being good for uh, People just assume like you put him on the edge, he'll rush the passer. We've seen him be good at rushing the passer. He's going to be good there. There's a difference. One, there's a difference between rushing the passer and blitzing. Yep. Two, a lot. 
the Lions already have several players at the Jack linebacker position that they've invested in and don't want Jared Davis. I mean, they just drafted Austin Bryant, who we should see probably in the next week exactly. or two. And Devon Kennard still has, what, two or three years on his deal? So it doesn't make sense in terms of fit on this roster. It doesn't make terms and sense of his fit in terms of his abilities. I don't think he can win one-on-ones on the edge because he's just not that agile. He, and he doesn't have the pass rushing moves. His pass rushing move is crash and destroy it's yeah just like run fast forward as he's fast an unguided missile that's basically yes, the analogy is. for him he is and an so, unguided he's he's the louis delmas but, of linebackers yeah basically is. except without, is so much without the injury history yes. but um with with <laughs> history Dave, he was drafted with with with, with, with uh staff he's been injured Not that bad, much really. as a pro so far <laughs> yeah that's anyway, true. I, anyway so as i was gonna say like also, by converting Davis to Jack, you're basically making two positions weaker. Because let's be honest, he's not going to suddenly shock the world as a Jack linebacker. If he does, I would be amazed. I would be so happy, but it's it not. Be shocking. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and so then you take off a player who's, I mean, he's not great, but Kennard is miles better than Davis. And so then also, well, if you move Davis to Jack, then you need someone at linebacker. Who's that going to be? Are you just going to roll with Jones and Tavai? Well, guess what? They run like they're in molasses. Like <laughs> if there's one thing that, you know, having him on the team is, is that he's fast. And there are some, there are some plays, some moments. Uh, it hasn't happened this, not much this year, but it happened last year where it's like, Jared Davis can be a good linebacker if he just gets it all together because he has the tools for it. But we just haven't seen it. And I don't think that's going to happen at Jack. And they don't have anything depth-wise either. I mean, I think we're yeah. all pretty – we can pretty much say with certainty that Jalen Reeves maybe isn't in the plans long-term. They've made no indication to increase his workload or give him more snaps or find packages for him. I think we can all pretty much say how he opened the season was the most snaps he was going to get. Between now and the end of the season, he might not match the snap total he had when Jared Davis was out with injury. Of course, barring a potential injury to somebody. Yeah. So uh, we, what do we have? We have, like you mentioned, Devon Kennard, who's under contract. We just drafted Jelani mm-hmm. Tavai. They extended Christian Jones. And then there's no one else. That what, they they can probably keep. That's not a. That's not Austin Bryant is probably the only other option. <laughs> yeah. And Austin Bryant. Yeah, yeah, those guys are like. On the edge as like, well. There was yeah, actually yeah. a stat today where it's like Devon Kennard moved up somewhere in the lines, like all time. Yeah, fifth all leaders, time. And like, With 11 and, and as, as linebackers. And it's like, <laughs> I almost sad. don't. It feels cheap to call him a linebacker. Right. right. And like, uh, same thing with Austin Bryant. Like, I don't really consider him a linebacker. I consider him a jack, which is a, a different kind of edge rusher. Right. Well, it's like when uh, when uh, Jadavian Clowney moved to linebacker. It's like, yeah, that's that's a that's an administrative title yeah. right there. That's, well, I mean, that, that's right, when that's, we get into the, the issue of stuff like Pro Bowl positions and right. that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, All there's, right, um, there's no linebackers here. Let's let's move yeah. away from Jared Davis for a minute. Let's talk about Matthew Stafford's future. And I don't think anyone has any question about his future, his long-term future with the team at this point. Um, there was talk, you know, before the season started that this could potentially be his last year. He's, you know, he's finally got a year coming up soon where they could get rid themselves of that contract. But this is not what this conversation is about because Matthew Stafford, as I mentioned before, playing at an MVP level prior to missing this game. But what do the Lions do for the rest of the season now? Because you read the reports from from various doctors and they say, well, this is kind of a pain management thing. He could be back as you know as soon as next week, maybe three weeks. That's kind of the time range in terms of when he feel he's probably 
cleared by the doctors and feels good enough to play. But the question is with the season over with Driscoll playing as well as he did, is this a time to just rest Stafford for the rest of the season, pick up the pieces next year and, and go from there. This, this is going to be a very hot topic this week. I can already sense it from, from fans. It, it from was the moment guys. they announced it. Right. Yeah. And so I'm curious as to how you guys feel about this. Let, let's kick it over to you, Kent. What, what, if you were the head coach, the, the medical staff gives you the go ahead. He's, he's healthy enough to play. Of course, there's always risk of a, a re-injury because this is football, any sort of that thing. What are you doing with Matthew Stafford the rest of the year? So I want Matthew Stafford to stay healthy and I want him to get healthy because he's not right now. Uh, I know that he would play through anything. He would have played today if they didn't tell them that he couldn't play today. So I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and I would do my very best to make sure that that is, is held up as much as I can. His health has to be the main priority. But like you're saying, doctors that we're hearing from are saying it could be one week. It's just pain management. There's not much risk involved. If that's the case, if that's what his team doctors are saying, I don't see any reason in shutting him down. And I think doing so does nothing but hurt the team. You're, you're trying to keep somebody healthy. And that's, that's great. That's good and all. But from a personal standpoint, it doesn't help him in any manner. I mean, there's playing time incentives. There's, there's pro bowls that you can get that help your contract negotiations. There's no reason for him to want to shut himself down aside from health and pain. And if he, like I said, he would have played this week if they'd let him. And then for the rest of the team, you know, building up your continuity with your offensive line is not just the offensive line. It's also the quarterback. You saw that with Mitch Trubisky today with the way that he was handling his offensive line. You saw a botched snap that got fumbled. You, you saw all kinds of things going wrong. If you don't work in your quarterback with your starting offensive line, who you expect to start with him, that can cause problems down the line. And we've got enough issues as it is. The timing with the wide receivers, seeing the difference in those deep passes between Matthew Stafford and Jeff Driscoll isn't just... Matthew Stafford is more accurate than Jeff Driscoll. It's also setting up the timing between your receivers. There was passes to Danny Amendola, who Stafford has been money with all mm-hmm. year. And he was just off trying to get them to Danny Amendola because they don't have that, 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 that continuity. They don't have that repertoire, that rapport built up. And with TJ Hawkinson being young and being ex- an expected focal point of their offense going forward, it doesn't, it has no value to him to shut down. Matthew Stafford, and it could potentially damage the development that you have for guys like TJ Hawkinson, Ty Johnson, your younger offensive linemen like Frank Ragnow. I don't think it'll hurt your veterans as much, but it's still, you don't want to have that change that way if you can avoid it. And if the Lions are in a position where they can get Matthew Stafford back next week, I might, I might push back on one week. I feel like maybe two weeks at least, even if they tell you it's okay after a week, maybe try to get him another one. Maybe you can go for three, but before, the whole season, I don't see that. Before I get to John's opinion on this, let me let me kind of play devil's advocate because I'm, I'm mostly with you actually there, but what what is there to say about getting all that sort of rapport in line and, and you know, offensive line experience, all that sort of stuff for a guy like Jeff Driscoll who proved maybe today that he's the, the backup quarterback of the future. I mean, him playing seven real football games at the end of the season could help towards his development, could it not? And and that's obviously at least a little bit of value to this team. You're absolutely right. But from a long-term perspective, the rapport that you have built up with your starting quarterback is always going to trump anything else on your team. 
Sure. And Jeff Driscoll is a, a solid developmental prospect. He showed today. He's he's got more developmental potential off of one game tape, and we have to at least throw that caveat in there. This is one game tape. Sure. You know, he has more developmental prospect per, potential than any of the backups that Stafford has had in years. So it's worthwhile to try to develop him. But we're talking about developing a guy as a backup who, as you mentioned yourself, has had two months less less than two months in the in the system. He's going to need an off season to build mm-hmm. to get this stuff in. He's going to need some time to digest it and to work at it. And I don't think that throwing him to the wolves in the game time can be that way. You can get guys here in ghosts. You can start getting people throwing their own timing off. We've seen that before with quarterbacks that just get get hammered and don't figure things out. It can damage their development if you don't do it how you planned on doing it. And I think a midseason throw in, I don't think is ever in the plans for the first year that you have a guy. Um, I think there's value in it to get him that experience. I just don't think it's more value than getting Stafford what he needs. John, what are you doing with Stafford if he's healthy next week? So I'm going to look at it a bit more from a business perspective. So mm-hmm. what the real reason people want to put Stafford on IR, let's, let's be 100% honest here. It's because they want to tank. The season's yep. done. Yep. It doesn't matter. I yep. mean, basically, this is an injury he can, he can heal from in a few weeks. It's not season ending, but they want to tank. Well, look mm-hmm. at the Miami Dolphins, the fish tank. They just won two games in a row. Tanking <laughs> isn't effective. And even yep. then, one, we've seen, we've seen with the Lions, draft is a crapshoot. Two, look at what you do when you tank a team. Players in Miami were miserable asking for trades out. You build an awful yes. culture by doing that. And Smith is Patrick doing, I mean, yeah. didn't he get another touchdown today? Yeah, something like that. I would it almost like, I think it sealed the game. But um, if you if you look at Stafford, he's the heart and soul of this team. I mean, they got rid of a guy like Quandre Diggs, who is obviously a big voice there. But if you put Stafford on IR, you're kind of isolating him from the team. And because this is one thing that kind of, Kent was touching upon and um, Driscoll and, and David Blau, they both have barely been with this team. Right. And so all of a sudden you lose any sort of chemistry because a quarterback is the leader of a team. And I don't mean to be rude to, to Driscoll or Blau, but a backup quarterback is not going to have that same kind of pull in the locker room and teams are not going to rally around them as much. I mean, unless you go on like a miraculous win streak and people are like, Oh my goodness, you're amazing. But that's not going to happen. Like, let's be honest. This is, this isn't a fairy tale. This is Jeff Driscoll. So it's, it's a tough selling point because also if you put them on IR, you know, a lot of fans aren't going to want to go to games. I mean, who's going to want to see, I'm sorry, Jeff Driscoll is not a highlight or, Headliner. I mean, how boring was this game? Let's yeah. be honest. How boring well, was the Lions the thing. Bears? Like we saw this last year, the Lions were extremely boring. Yeah. Like the the Lions and Bills game is one that will go in the upper echelon of boring football games that I've watched. Now, for that game, we had Matthew Stafford. This year, no Matthew Stafford, no Carryon Johnson. It's not a very good on paper look. And you know, sure, it will appease the tank fans. Then look at the diehard fans, the people paying for tickets, buying merchandise, and that kind of stuff. Do you want to see them basically admittedly throw in the towel? Because that's what that move would be. Sure, you can say, yeah, we want to, we're careful about his, you know, his health. But putting him on IR now is throwing in the towel. And that doesn't look good when you're a team that technically our record isn't awful, right? It's not like we've won a single game this year. It's not like we've admitted that we're rebuilding. This is a team that went 
I almost want to say all in during the offseason. They spent some big money on guys. Now, if you put Stafford on IR, you're throwing that away and you sort of moves one year gambles like you've made essentially means nothing. And what are you throwing in the title for? The Lions aren't going to draft a quarterback in the first round unless it's a surefire thing. And if they're if they have three wins, they're out on the top couple of quarterbacks. They're out on Chase Young. They're they're out on the top guys in this draft with three wins without having to get get into a trade situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if you get into the oh maybe they're tanking, what are they tanking for? You have to have a target in mind, and nobody tanks for the fourth best quarterback in the draft. <laughs> no. Well, and that's another thing is that what other sort of prospects do you want to go after in that case? I mean, I'm not going to go into too much draft detail because we still have plenty of time to go for the season and the draft season too. But like, are you seriously going to throw in, throw in the towel, basically tank the season to get, I don't know, the sixth overall pick and what you get a lineman. I'm sure it'll be a good lineman, but I mean, that's not exactly, you know, something that will make the fans be like, wow, I'm so happy. I wasted all that time and money. (laughs) To get attacked on on the 20, 2019 Detroit Lions draft an offensive lineman, something that uh, look offensive lineman they deserve a lot of respect, but they're not going to put butts in the seats. They're not going to make you say, "Wow, I'm so excited for this Lions game!" Like it's not like he's Quentin Nelson. Those people don't come around yeah. every year. Look at how many people think that Frank Ragnow isn't doing well. I mean, right. people don't even realize when your top ranked lineman is doing really well. They don't, they don't yeah. even realize it half the time. Well, exactly. People look at the rushing stats like, oh, this team is mm-hmm. awful. Well, I'm sorry, but no, it's more so the running game and the scheme and also what defenses are throwing at them. Like, uh, that's why like, I, I've personally never been against getting rid of Decker or Wagner because I know that they will kind of take some big uh, cap hits, but. You know, it's it's not worth it, in my opinion. All right. Before I want to move on to Matt Patricia in a second here, but I think it's also important to note what benching or putting Stafford on IR would do to the entire locker room, because we know that the team would perform worse down the, the stretch. And that that sends a lot of, you know, waves throughout the locker room. If, if this team is performing worse then a lot of people are going to be less confident in the direction of this team, a lot of these players are going to be less confident that they're in the right spot in Detroit. And, you know, that sort of stuff can have ripples in terms of how it affects the se- the team going forward into 2020 and beyond. So if they make a move like that and, and put Stafford on the bench and, and Driscoll's the guy the rest of the way, lines are going to lose more games. The players are going to be more miscontent. Patricia's going to have a tougher time keeping that locker room intact. And I think it's overall worse. So I'm with all, th- all two of you guys. We're collective three. Don't put Matthew Stafford on IR unless it's absolutely worth it and absolutely necessary in terms of his medical diagnosis. And from from what we know right now, that's not true. So I I think based on what I know about Matt Patricia, I think he's going to think the same way. But let's talk about Matt Patricia really quick before we get into the mailbag. Obviously, the team is not where they want to be right now in terms of where they were when Jim Caldwell was around, they still haven't really reached that point yet where this team was a perennial every other year playoff team. This team isn't even there yet after two years of a quote unquote rebuild in terms of culture, in terms of personnel, in terms of all that, the defense is failing at a rate that's very alarming. Matt Patricia, is he in any danger of losing his job after this year? Real quick, John. I don't think so, even though, in my opinion, he should be on the hot seat. I just think the the building, uh, the blueprint that the Lions have put together, 
I think still has a little bit more to go. I think after the next season, I think it's when you can start to see heads to roll. The thing is, when that happens, I think we could basically see a, a clean house. Like, I think Patricia and Quinn are basically tied at the hip right now. And if one goes, I think the other goes. Yep. So I, can you I feel agree. I agree. I just don't agree on the timeline. I think they got two more uh, unless there's a, a, like a two win season or something next year. Um, One thing to keep in mind, as bad as the record looks right now and as frustrating as this team has been, they've not, they haven't lost any games by more than one score. Every game has been really close with four, four, three or four of the games have either been right down to the last 30 seconds of the game or a tie. I mean, the, the game they're, they're right there, right? They're, they're just, just right here. And you can go into the, Oh, the lucky bounces or the refs or whatever route you want to go with it, but they're not as far away as we want to imagine that they are. And I, I think that, that, that year that they're going to get to buy themselves this often, this off season and next year, I think there has to be some serious progress um, for them to, or serious degree, like fall off for them to actually fire him. But I expect to see some serious progress next year. If we don't, it, I'll be off the wagon too. Yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that's sticking in a lot of people's minds, and understandably so, is just the defense, right? Matt Patricia is a defensive guru. He's brought in all these defensive toys this offseason, drafted a couple guys, got a couple guys in free agency, and the defense is the, the bane of this team's existence right now. And so I understand that. I kind of feel the same way, and I do feel that 2020 is make or break for this guy right now. I, I really do. And I don't know what that essentially means. Does that mean a playoff win? Does that just mean a playoff expe- uh, appearance? We'll see when we get there, but I absolutely think that Matt Patricia's hot seat begins as soon as this season ends, if it hasn't already, you know, started up already. But we got to take a break. We're running a little late here. We're going to do a quick mailbag. So chat at Twitch, get your questions in right now. If you're listening at home, you can always send your questions to hashtag AskPOD on Twitter. We're going to get to those next on the POD cast. time ask pod on twitter hashtag ask pod i should say if you just type in ask pod we are not gonna find it so you do hashtag ask pod any time of the week we go through all of our questions that we receive that week in this portion of the podcast which is probably going to be a little brief today because we went long on the other topics because john and kent are bringing the heat this week that's what i like to see uh let's start at twitter and (laughs) robert tomlinson asks which non-Patriots team should I watch for the rest of the season since this season's over for Detroit? Chiefs, I have a, right? Nope. Ravens. Chiefs is a good option. Oh, Ravens. It's Lamar, Ravens. Lamar Jackson. It's a 1,000% mm, yeah. the Baltimore Ravens. Well, yeah, we at least got to see I would the maybe last say year. the Buffalo. Ravens. I would maybe say the Buffalo Bills because I love chaos. Chaos is fun. And putting people through chairs. Yes, that's fun. If we get if we get those on live TV, that's always good. I I might watch the Bengals. I've seen a lot of bad. Ooh. I've seen a lot of bad teams, ah. and watching the worst team in any season 
is always fascinating to me because you you try to figure out what they're doing wrong and and what what went wrong what what is it just just bad evaluations the coaching just that bad watching a, a complete train wreck in slow motion everybody mm. wants to do that <laughs> I don't, I've seen enough train wrecks in my day I can't I can't watch it anymore <laughs> yeah that's a good I'd rather watch teams like the Ravens or the 49ers that's well the colors maybe maybe yeah. the answer to this question is just watch Ravens Bengals on repeat oh, yeah. for the next seven weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that Lamar Jackson's spin move is straight out of Madden. Oh my god! It like, looks even worse when you see the the people that do like the the dot mapping where they show where the players are on the field. It's even worse when you see how that worked out because oh, it no. makes less sense than seeing him actually juke people. See, and here's the thing: like when it was the fourth quarter, like the end of the third, start of the fourth quarter of that line of the Lions Bears game, when everything was boring and you knew the Lions were going to make a comeback, and then suddenly they they kind of made it a game. They they cut in and they show they showed that spin move from, and you're just like, I wish I was watching that game. Why aren't I watching Me that game too. right now? <laughs> I just I just want football to be fun. <laughs> like that is my biggest aspect of being a football fan is I want to be entertained. Sure, I have passion for the Detroit Lions, but if something's boring, I really don't like watching it. And you will know by reading my tweets. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Mac. He says, so um, when is the defense going to step up? Plenty of games this season have slipped away because of poor defensive play. Stafford and the offense have been doing their part. Where's the D in the D? Guys, do you see any sort of end? Any sort of, you know hope in this defense right now. I mean, the one thing that I pointed out in in my preview this week was the Lions pass defense was really good to start the year. I think a lot of people forget that, that we were talking about how they were shutting down really good quarterbacks like like uh, Patrick Mahomes Mahomes, and, 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 you know, they they were leading the the league in in passes defended. They were top five in, in, in passer rating allowed, and then everything went to shit. And it's not clear why, and it doesn't appear that it's going to come back. But do you guys have any hope that it does? I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's going to this year. And I, I want to be the the guy that sits here and say they're going to find some magic answer to it. But I don't. I don't see it. The linebacking core is so bad that I don't see any way that teams don't just start to exploit that more. I'm surprised that they don't. I'm surprised it took them throwing to Allen Robinson to figure out that the middle of the field was just a, a wasteland with no one there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at the slate yet to see how many tight ends that they face that are going to carve them up. But teams, teams know when your linebacking core is bad. They know that if they can get past one or two of your defensive linemen, that they've got space for days. Your, line, your linebackers can't tackle. That's easy. Let's just do that. And with that big hole in the middle, I don't care how good our defense. I mean, look, you saw it today. Our defensive line actually played well, and they still got carved up because the linebackers can't do anything. And the, the corners were just bad enough to give Trubisky all day. So I don't see it getting any better this year. I think if they keep these building blocks in in, in place, they might see something next year. But I'm out for 2019 on this defense. Yeah, for me, it like the only thing that can really improve it is if someone like Austin Bryan comes in and plays well. But then that's not going to be for this season. That's just a building block for the future. I mean, maybe we'll see some guys off the practice squad, uh, like a dude like Jason Cabina, for example. I don't know. Just <laughs> something different because what they're providing right now just isn't working. And I think, you know, you don't have to do it right now because I still like 
plenty of games left to go, but I don't know, with like one or two games left in the season, maybe call up some of these guys. Just see what they can do, see what you have for the future, because that's really what you're doing right now, is you're analyzing what you have for the coming seasons. I have to look and see who we even got on our practice squad. It yeah. changes so often. Right. Because one thing I was, I was thinking about, I was looking at it uh, yesterday, and um, you know the Lions have been doing a lot of shuffling on their uh, practice squad, and so one of those dudes is linebacker Anthony Pittman, right? One dude who stayed um, on the practice squad the entire year so far has been Jason Cabina. So I think they like him. So if there's ever a chance that you know they need to fill a hole or they just want to see what they got, I think he's probably a likely call up. All right, next question comes from Merm42420 asks, to, do we have any specific clarity on whether Stafford not playing was a choice rather than a necessity? Extremely unclear was a risk of some kind of permanent injury. Um, I believe on Twitter, some, some medical doctors called it acute, so not chronic, so it's not something that will last a long time. But, but Matt Patricia did say after the game that the doctors would not clear him. He said specifically his, you know, he did not feel like he wanted to risk the health of Matthew Stafford and the, and the health of his quarterback, you know, comes above, above all else. He also said specifically that Matthew Stafford wanted to be out there. He would have played if they would have let him. Um, in terms of like re-injury and, and making it worse, I'm not entirely sure because I'm not a doctor, but I do know that it was a pain thing. It was an acute injury. And so it was more of an issue of just like, the doctors didn't think he was ready. Ultimately, it, was, it, it did sound like it was Matt Patricia's decision, and he just he did not want to see his quarterback hurting that much out there and, and potentially hurting himself more. Is that is that fair? Is that what you lines yeah. up with you guys, what you guys hear, yeah. heard as well? Accurate. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Really, that's basically it. You want yeah. to see him healthy? I would say that. Uh, stupid with it either. Yeah, I would say that Kelly Stafford made comments about it on her Instagram, and it sounded like pretty much exactly what you said. He wanted to play really badly. They wouldn't let him. Yeah, yeah Stafford's a tough SOB. Like, if there's any chance, like, we've seen him with tons of injuries, like uh, that Browns He's game. He's broken backs before. I mean, that was yeah. the, the story last year that came out in, in the offseason this year is that he had to deal with a broken back. And so he's. we don't know if they're any similar or not, but... Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely sucks anyone. to see the the streak end, but I don't think this is anything that is going to severely affect his career unless you rush him back in and he gets a similar kind of injury. So I don't I don't want to see wheels for the rest of the season. I'll just I'll put that out. Uh, all right, TJ, don't ask a, a similar question on Stafford. Does he retire in 2020? He's got to be no. thinking it's not worth it anymore, and he doesn't seem like someone who would stick around for the limelight. I got I got to speak on that one because that's Go that's beginning to that's beginning to annoy me a bit. When people talk about that, they're talking about what they would do in that scenario. Yep. You got to understand, Matthew Stafford ain't you. He's been doing this for a decade. He came to Detroit wanting to get a championship. Everything that he has ever said or did has been towards that. You can love him or hate him, but there hasn't been a single moment in Matthew Stafford's career where he hasn't talked about wanting to get a championship for Detroit. Not just to get a championship for himself, not to put up big stats. He wants to get a championship for a team that's never had one. That's not something you're just like, and yeah, my back hurts. I'm 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 done. You know, and it's not an Andrew Luck situation where it's a chronic injury that he's had for several years that he's been nursing through. He he has no 
He, he's not going to sit here and just retire because of this one thing. It's not a Barry Sanders or a Calvin Johnson situation. It's always different when you're talking about your quarterback. It's a different mindset. It's a different player. And I don't think anybody who's actually paying attention to anything can say with a straight face that they think that Matthew Stafford will retire based on this injury. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's think- not a shot at guys like Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders. No, no, no. Like th- those are also positions that take a beating. Like if you've seen pictures of Calvin's hand, yeah. like that's a that's a nightmare right there. But like Stafford is, he's just he's crazy about football. For him yeah. to retire would be leaving what he loves behind. And I, mean, I don't see him doing that anytime back. soon. Like I don't necessarily think the Lions are going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. I I hate to say it, I don't think. He's probably not going to see the Super Bowl in his career unless the Lions really pick it up over the next few seasons. I mean, anything can happen. But, you know, this is a guy who really is passionate about football and passionate about this team and city. Like, I don't think he would want to leave that all behind right now. And it's not like he's 38 or anything like that either. Like, we always joke about him being pretty young, but, I mean, he's still on the, I'd say, the young side of 30, so... Uh, I like this question while we're still talking about Stafford from Lions. Wow, says is Stafford too tough for his own good? Ooh, that's 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 a more I, philosophical I think, question. I, I think that's kind of that's not a bad question. My personal opinion is, I want to say yes because if you look at what what happened to cause this injury, we most likely suspect it was on a run late in the game against Oakland. He got kind of hit in the back yeah. by a helmet. If you know, if Stafford is a little bit more conservative. Or if he, you know, slides or at the very least doesn't even run during that situation, you might not see that happen. But at the same time, it's who he is. And I think we've seen him make great plays because of that. So there's obviously risk and reward. And I think for the most part, Stafford, it's worked out. But, you know, with plays like that, especially now in today's NFL, they're always trying to protect the quarterback. You know, we talked about some of the sliding rules, all the uh, new penalties, but roughing the passer and stuff like that. Even even roughing the passer, they're pretty weak when they call it. So right. Stafford, I think he, he's, as I said before, he's a tough SOB. I, I personally would sometimes like to see him, you know, not take those hits, but it's what he does and it's what works. You know who did a really good job of sliding is Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll, yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe well, some of that. The first gets one was rough. On. He, he yeah. took a pretty big hit right yeah. at the beginning of the game, but after that, he kind of learned. The thing about Jeff Driscoll is that he's running fast enough where he can actually get a good slide going. Whereas Stafford, <laughs> he's not he's not a quick guy, so he just kind of stops. Doesn't have the dad run just yet, but he's getting yeah. there. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question comes from BK Shaky on Twitter. He asks, "Can you see Glasgow and Wagner not?" on the team next year. And, and really quick, Odihan asks, any news on Wagner? Um, he was diagnosed with a concussion, I believe, because he was declared out. So, in concussion protocol. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Glasgow and Wagner's future on this team. Glasgow, obviously on the last year of his deal right now, um, no no extension in the offseason. There may or may not have been talks. Winning this year playing every single snap but one over the past two years, and now the Lions have decided that it's better to rotate him in and out, which can't be a good sign. So are we done with Glasgow? Let's start with Glasgow. Are, are we done with Glasgow in Detroit after this year? Uh, can I take this? I think so. I, I hate it. Yeah. You, can, you can go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. I, I just want to say that, um, like, obviously, like, part of Detroit has a pretty close connection with Graham. He's a really awesome dude. 
Um, I don't think his future is in Detroit. This reminds me a lot of what happened with Larry Warford, where it doesn't, it just doesn't seem like despite him playing well as a guard, they just don't seem interested in it. I mean, I'm sure there's some weird explainable reason why they've had this rotation to keep them all fresh. Uh, actually, today they were doing it with, with Joe Dell as well. So maybe there's something more to that. But I think, as you mentioned, the fact that he hasn't gotten an extension and it was something that they were looking at in the offseason, I don't think it's a good sign. I don't think he's going to get too much on the market. Like I don't think he's going to be outpriced from Detroit. I just don't necessarily know if Detroit wants him for whatever reason. And it's dumb. Yeah. Hmm. I, think dumb. Can, I mean, we're heavily biased at Pride of Detroit with, when it comes to Graham Glasgow, the person. And I think we all think that's stupid that they would even consider not extending him. But uh, you, like you said, it's, it's looked like they don't want him. And, not, and I don't know if he feels that same way, but it, it doesn't seem like they've shown any interest in extending him at all. And with Wagner, I think that one or both of Decker and Wagner are also gone. Yeah. And it's, we're getting to the point where this is getting really frustrating really fast with this offensive line because they've spent so much resources trying to fix this. And it seems like every move they've had has either not worked or it's worked and they're just not interested in continuing it. It makes so little sense to me that they would rotate Kenny Wiggins in with Graham Glasgow and Joe Dahl. It made a little sense at first with Joe Dahl because Dahl was new at, the, at a starting role. He hadn't started before. He came from a system that didn't run block like at all. And he, he just, it, it made a little bit more sense, but they started doing it with both the right guard and the left guard. There isn't a system in the NFL that functions that way well. And this one doesn't, it, it doesn't work. There's nothing you can point to that says they're doing this because this thing that happens that is working is working because of that. And the, the, it just isn't, it's working poorly. Yeah. It's not working. So it'd be one thing if the lines were rushing for 200 yards every week, but they certainly are not. And the other thing is that 200 yards a week, we're, we're sitting here talking about how genius it is that they're rotating their guard. That's the thing. Kenny, Kenny Wiggins hasn't been very good in, in their stead. I think he had one decent game. I think was that against the giants. Can't remember, but other than that, it's been unspectacular. And the offensive line is something where cohesion is so important. Like this is why during the preseason, offensive line performance is awful because players are still getting to know each other. People are getting subbed in and out. You don't get a lot of time to work together. And then now you're doing this and like, why? It's like you're purposely sabotaging your own team. The, the only perceived benefit I can see from a system like this is that it helps you when injuries come, right? You, you get a guy injured, whether it's Glasgow or Dahl, which we've seen both recently. And then you get Kenny Wiggins, who's had experience in both those very, very recently has played between those tackles and the center on both sides. So there's that, but not worth it. Not worth yeah. it. Yeah. At what point, at what point do those returns get diminished by the fact that you're in, you're ruining your, your chemistry, you're, right. you're taking away those snaps from better players. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's benefit to getting experience, but Kenny Wiggins is not a, he's not a, yeah, I don't have examples. Not, we don't have that guy. We don't have. Yeah, it's not like he's Bo Benchall or anything like that. Yeah, right? but Bo Benchall. Yeah, I forgot. We didn't even draft him. But yeah, it's yeah. not like he's Bo Benchall. He's he's been around the block. He was a starter for years. Yeah, not a good mm-hmm. one, but he was a starter. <laughs> and he's coming here, and he's getting rotated in like he needs to learn this stuff. Like, why? I don't, I don't get sense. it. Well, and then back when the Lions had Carry On Johnson, we would see it where one drive they would have you know Dahl and Glasgow in. And the run game would be very good. 
the next drive they would swap one of them out for Wiggins and then the run game would stall and they would keep doing that back and forth. And it's like on paper, it's pretty clear that Wiggins is not the answer. And yet they keep doing this and like, sure, we haven't had any injuries. So maybe there's something to be said about that. But at the same time, you know, run game has been absent. And while I don't think that's necessarily the guards fault, I don't think you're giving them any favors by putting in inferior players. But to kind of bring this back to the the original question, I think we can all agree, and we mentioned this last week, the offensive line is in flux. It's probably going to be, we're probably going to have a couple new parts next year or in the next couple of years. And that's frustrating as hell because like Kent mentioned, so many resources have been plugged in this offensive line and there's still no solution on the horizon. And I mean, this team could realistically see 60% of their offensive line change in the next two years. Yeah, it's a scary there's two. There's two pieces of good news to that, though, which is that the 2020 offensive tackle draft class could be one of the better ones that we've had in recent years. There's there's a lot of really good players there. And for Pride of Detroit, most of them have awesome names. So <laughs> <Yes. we're... laughs> Give me one. Let me hear one. I need oh, one right now. It's like... One of the guys, his name is Prince. I know that for sure. I mean, that's that's immediately okay. gets you good seating, right? Sure. I gotta pull it up. Sorry, but we got I, we got I, to I move can't pronounce our Here's a good one, Andrew and I'm Thomas. I love hearing you try. What is it? <laughs> Andrew Thomas. Andrew is like Thomas. Least. Well, he's he's probably the he's probably the best tackle in. He doesn't in, even uh, make. He wouldn't even make the 64. No, Prince Tego one o go. See, you Prince got Tego it. One o go from Auburn. <laughs> Have fun. See. You right. got it, man. Mickey we Beckton. got these guys. All right. Well, let's. I'm going to finish this off with another draft question since we got you, Kent, here, and we got a draft question in uh, in our Twitter mailbag. So, Lions Saddest Fan, uh, which is <laughs> at Saul underscore Uzbreha. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, I'm sorry. He asks, are there any good linebackers available in the market or good options in the next NFL draft? We need some. The market isn't the greatest. It's not terrible, but the market's not awesome. The linebacking class for 2020 looks really good on paper. Um, there's a lot of guys similar to 2019 that I don't think will go at the top of the first round, but we have guys that are going to go fairly early in the second and probably be a heavy second, third round draft class. Um, the top guy in the draft uh, tore his ACL, I believe. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Al is an Alabama linebacker, but when I was watching him, it's, it's uh, a Jared Davis in. Was that him? Uh, no, I forget. But anyway, it's a Jared Davis in this scheme type thing where I don't see him fitting here at all anyway. But while watching Dylan him, Moses. Uh, yeah, Dylan Moses. Thank you. Um, but Anthony Jennings, who plays for Alabama, is both a scheme fit and an athletic profile fit for Matt Patricia. Not the slow part, but the big part. Uh, he's a very big linebacker. Um, another guy that I've been watching is Evan Weaver out of Cal. Uh, I don't think he's going to measure that well, which won't knock him off of Matt Patricia's boards. Um, he's listed at 235. I think he plays significantly heavier, heavier than that. I think he plays closer to 245, 250. Um, but he's another guy that I would keep an eye on. He plays a very similarly schematic wise to Jelani Tavai. Um, so those are two of the first guys that I've watched. I'm, st I'm still diving into tape. But I think they're going to come out of this draft with at least one linebacker, probably probably two, and uh, I'm hoping that they do that. That day two is one of their targets for it. One one player that I do want to note, and I think actually with some recent news that happened, could actually spell 
good news if the Lions want to get him at a good pick is uh, Julian Aquara, who's, who would essentially be a jack yeah. fit because he recently is out for the season with a broken, uh, I think it was tibia or fibia. Tibia. Or yeah. anyway, so that's an injury that can recover pretty cleanly. And also, I mean, obviously, I'm a sucker for familiar, uh, familiar, familiar, familiar ties. Yeah, that. Because obviously, <laughs> his brother Romeo. Also, I just want to say, great naming, Romeo and Julian. Right. Yeah, I like <laughs> Shakespearean. But also, like he would fit the good role of probably Jack. I think he would push Canard. So I don't know. I'm down for that. I liked what I've seen out of him. And I think it yeah, also depends on agree. what exactly Matt Patricia is going to be looking for. Cause I think we've, he's kind of tipped his hand as to what kind of prospects he likes and they're big. And that usually means kind of slow, <laughs> but at the same time, if there are good prospects on the board, they might be willing to make a make a move. Like I'm a fan of Isaiah Simmons, for example, but we'll see what exactly they deem a fit. Cause I mean, we saw this last draft, none of us really had to buy that high and the Lions scoop him up in the second round. So who knows? Yep. Yeah, and Isaiah Simmons, another guy that I really like, but I don't think there's a snowball's chance that he comes to Detroit. He, he's a, a popular mock draft choice for Detroit because they know they, everybody knows we need linebackers. But he's like 225. He plays at, and he he'll probably get up into the 230s when he goes to the combine. But I don't I don't see that as a viable option, even if he's really good. There you go. We got combine talk in November. <laughs> can't wait for the can't wait for the RAS. I hope you guys are all happy. Year. All of you guys that are draft gurus out there, we got draft talk at the end of the show. We should in bring in November. Bring in Hamza to talk about punters. No. Oh yeah. Are, we are need we just, to. Are we turning we this podcast into Martin a drive? We're trying yeah. to drive Jeremy insane. Podcast. Is that, is that what we're trying to do? I'll I'll be hundred percent honest though. Don Mulebach has not been great this year, so the lines might want to look at long snappers today. Maybe in the third round. Can you hate Don Mulebach secretly? I, th- I think third round's a bit low. I think we should go for second. <laughs> I, right. I'm like the only person who will actively recognize when he has poor snaps. Everybody else no. is like Mule, Mule. You are a heathen. Like, you are a straight he's heathen. Had a, he's That's had a few what you are. Around this year, it's been bad. All right, stop it. I will not allow this podcast to continue right now with all this Don Muleback slander. Also, because we're out of time. So, Ken, John, aside from that last five minutes, thank you for joining us this week and, and filling in. You guys did thank you, it. guys. Uh, chat, you've been awesome. We're probably going to hang around a couple extra minutes to chat with you. But you listening at home, thank you for tuning in. I'm sure you know how to subscribe. But if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Please leave a review. Leave a rating. That way our friends, your friends can listen to us and then you can talk about us and you can talk about how stupid I am. I love that. And then tell me on Twitter because I definitely don't get into Twitter fights all the time. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have First Bite coming out this week, previewing the Dallas Cowboys. But until then, y'all stay cool. Y'all stay awesome. Go Lions. Go Lions.